And one of the number one things that you can do is leave lights on, open windows, let natural light into the home, pull your blinds up, or at least open them up, um, and leave doors open. I know Tavis wakes up every morning and just, he has a reminder on Google that says, what is Katy Perry up to? And so over the last few days, he's been busy reading this article. You are now listening to the Real Estate Everybody's Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Good morning, and welcome back to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ashton Hines. I am a new real estate investor. I'm working on flip number four. I've got one rental. I do uh, real estate work for other people as a realtor, and I work full-time as a physical therapist assistant in home health. So I try to stay super busy. Fortunately, I have a person in my life named Tavis Westbrook, who is there to help me along with the real estate journey. He is, uh, well, let's call it what it is. He's holding my hand as we get this flip done in Mapleton, uh, in Dallas on Mapleton. He's doing so much work for me. He's trying to, to get us across that finish line, texting people, calling people, trying to get us uh, going there. So Tavis has flipped over 200 houses. He's got midterm rentals, uh, long-term rentals. He's got, a, he's got a commercial building. He's got a ton of knowledge. And fortunately for me and for you, he's here this morning. And uh, how are you, Tavis? What's up? Man, I'm good. I'm good, man. Uh you know, this has actually been pretty cool because we get to uh, talk even more <laughs> than we normally yep. do. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, and, and doing this together a couple times a week has been pretty good. So, yeah, welcome, everybody. Yes, definitely. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out all of our timing. You know, we don't know what this will look like long term. Uh, we want to bring as much value to to everyone listening as possible. We live in the Dallas area, so uh, we definitely want to come to you weekly with some pertinent news and things happening in the Dallas area. And then what we do is uh, once a week, we do a real deep dive. We're calling it Real Estate Heavyweights University. And right now we're, we're digging into flipping a house because uh, that's what I'm doing. That's what Tavis knows best, I would say. And we're just, we're taking it step by step. And if you want to learn how to flip a house, you can basically listen to that, take notes, and you will be good to go. So we're coming to um, once a week with that, and then on Fridays we're trying to come with a uh, little bit more news and current events and a little bit of tips of if if you're kind of just interested in the real estate industry, if you're a realtor, if you're looking to buy or sell a house, this is definitely the podcast for you. So are you ready to check out the market update for the week, Tavis? Yeah, what do you got? <laughs> Well, not a lot has changed in the DFW area uh, this week as far as the market goes. We're still sitting around 21 to 26 days on the market, depending on which county you're looking at, 26 for the whole MLS. But like I've said before, our MLS goes all the way over to Abilene. It goes up to Wichita Falls. It's, it includes a little bit of Louisiana randomly. But the, the MLS as a whole, 26 days on the market. Collin County, uh, where we do a lot of our business, where Tavis lives, is uh, 21 days. So. Depending on where you are, what level of house you're looking at, you're looking at 
uh, that range, which means things are moving pretty quickly. I was actually at an open house this last weekend, and we had a ton of traffic. I think we had nine groups come through. It, it was new to the market. There's a lot of interest. So if you are bringing a house to the market, you have a great chance of selling it quickly if you price it right. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in this episode. How do you get a house ready to sell? Um, and so I know, Tavis, you you haven't listed anything in the last week or two, but the last time we talked, I think you, you are seeing the same thing, just a lot of activity, a lot of offers on houses. Yeah, I think the key indicator is just knowing what you're doing and pricing it correctly. Um, I, yeah, I think if you do that, you're going to drive traffic. If you don't do that, you're going to sit and chase the market. That's why if you look at the MLS data, the amount of price reductions are matching the amount of new listings. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think it's rocket science. I think it's just people that are having a hard time explaining to the general public why the market is different than what it was a year and a half ago. And, you know, we're in this each and every day. So we're very alert and very aware of what's going on. You know, we're looking at this data every week versus a consumer thinks their neighbor sold their house yesterday for $30,000 over asking with 50 offers. And the reality is that was, you know, a year and a half ago. But to them, it feels like it was last Mm -hmm. month, right? So it's just trying to navigate through that. And then, you know, we've talked about this before, just working backwards into it to determine how to price. Uh, you also have a tremendous amount of people that got into the business over the last five years that is brand new. And it was like, you know, one of the easiest things they could ever do to, to get into the business and make $9,000 by sticking a sign in the yard and having people line up because there was no inventory. Mm-hmm. And now people have got to get back to their skill set and how good they are at understanding the market and dissecting the property and pricing it correctly, not just following a dollar per foot. You know, we've talked about that a lot. So I think it's important to, um, you know, it's extremely important who you hire and really understand what the skill set is of the agent that you are hiring and not just how well they advertise or, you know, how many, how long, you know, how many years have they been in the business, et cetera. You know, none of that really matters. It matters really what they do when they're in charge of selling your property and how they price it and how they explain it and what their knowledge is. You're you're leading into a a really good point. So we'll go ahead and get into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the flash apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Inman, uh, we've mentioned, is a, a great source for real estate news. And they are following this, the National Association of Realtors case. And they're estimating if this goes through that the real estate agent industry is going to drastically change. And I think that they, they mentioned that they think roughly... of real estate agents will probably go away or 60 to 80% they're estimating. And like you're saying, you know, for a few years there, it was relatively easy 
get your license. It is easy to get your license. It's not expensive and it doesn't take much time. You sit down, take some tests. And then that's where you differentiate yourself is after you're in the business. And a lot of people got used to getting easy listings, making easy money and not having to do a whole lot of work. And over the next year or two, if this lawsuit goes through, I really think that it's gonna become more of a job where you're really gonna have to go out, find business, learn how to negotiate and and really work for the money that someone's paying you which who can argue against that that's that's probably how it should be if you want to separate yourself and be a real professional i think you're going to have a ton of opportunity but a lot of the casual real estate agents and real estate professionals are probably going to go away and so that's as i'm trying to transition from a full-time w-2 job as a therapist going into uh, real estate and and wanting to do more of that work that's something that i'm trying to learn as much as possible about and and honestly it just comes down to work calling people reaching out putting yourself out there and i think if i can do that you know i i think over the next few years a lot of people will fall away and there'll be plenty of business out there to have so all right, let's go ahead and dive a little bit more into some local news. So in DFW, the Dallas Morning News had an article about a, a fella that has taken on a franchise for pickleball. And pickleball around here is everywhere all of a sudden. Uh, Tavis was mentioning that you know last year was kind of this new thing, and it just exploded. I think another article mentioned that Dallas is kind of this epicenter of pickleball. I, I'm not really sure why. But uh, this guy, he has purchased a franchise, and (laughs) interesting to us is he actually is taking over an Albertsons, a vacant Albertsons location that's in Plano near where Tavis lives, and he's going to convert it into pickleball. And it's this really cool concept of converting existing space, trying to find a use for it without having to tear it down, and it's so freaking hot around here. I think this is going to be a huge movement to have more and more things moving inside. I don't know what you think. Have you ever played pickleball, Tavis? I've never played it. You know, I think, um, you know, we first were aware of it uh, back in the beginning part of 2020 before COVID hit. And a friend of mine were working out at, uh, at the local rec center. And, you know, we started seeing it kind of become popularity, you know, in the mornings they would, they would do it in the basketball mm-hmm. court. And we were like, what is going on? What is that? And, um, so anyways, that was when I was first introduced to it and it was just gaining popularity then. And they were, you know, starting to make it more popular, um, at that point in time. And we talked about playing, we never did, but it was interesting. And then of course, you know, now here we are three years later and I mean, it's blowing up and now it's become a big entertainment, you know, based business. You know, we were talking about this a little bit offline. I think it's, it's funny cause I don't, see this being a huge attractor but then yet again you look at something like mm-hmm. top golf and how it's ran and people that don't like to golf like my wife is not you know she she has no interest in golfing but top golf makes it fun and you involve you know food and beverages and uh entertainment and then you get the creativity with the electronic yep. aspect of it and and making fun with the games right and making it cool and it takes the takes the stress mm-hmm. out of the game, right? To where it's not that serious, and you just get to have fun. So it it's interesting, you know. I mean, I guess you go back to like bowling alleys and things like that. You know, I mean, it, you know, those have been around forever. And again, it's not something that somebody may do or take serious every day, but it's definitely something that uh, and a, a family can go and do as an event or corporate events and things yeah. like that. So, I, you know. 
I think it's a great use of space when you look at that Albertson's been vacant for a long time and the grocery uh, store industry is, uh, you know, becoming uh, very, very, very challenging compared to what mm-hmm. it used to be. Well, and and if you're not from Texas, this will make zero sense to you, but H-E-B has come to town in the last year for us. And H-E-B is a Texas-based grocery chain that was huge in parts of the state, but it never really uh, come to the Dallas market. Now in the last year, they've opened up several locations. So the, the, the existing you know, uh, grocery stores here are scrambling to try to compete with HEB. And I'm sure if you were uh, struggling to begin with, it's not working out for you. So some of these spaces, and part of it too is just, you know, they anticipate growth in certain parts of town. It doesn't work out as much. Other parts become hot. And so these little corners are just not as uh, traffic driven as they thought they were going to be. And so they, those uh, stores go away. But as far as pickleball goes, you know, randomly top golf, I think is based in Dallas, uh, main event, Dave and Busters are headquartered here. There's a lot of really cool entertainment companies. And so that intellectual property that, 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 you know, people that they can pull from, there is a definite synergistic energy here with that, that idea that the entertainment space. And so it's kind of cool. I hope it takes off. Uh, anything that involves nachos and a an ice cold blue moon and uh, also a little bit of activity would be kind of cool. So uh, we have to represent for the heavyweight portion of the real estate heavyweight. Now, let's get to a little bit of uh, interesting national news. There's a really cool article that was written about a real estate agent, I think in one of the Dakotas, uh, North Dakota maybe, and he set a record for the longest open house. And I think it was 72 hours. This is something that he's been doing to raise money. He raised $40,000 for Alzheimer's uh, research. And it's super cool. He put together a pretty much a huge event with a builder. And he brought in a lot of vendors. And he kept the house open for 72 hours straight. I don't think he was there the whole time. I think some people he worked with and, diff- you know, they had activities and events going. And they just raised money uh, going through this this process. It was after his dad had passed away a few years ago and he wanted to do something cool. So I just thought that was a really, really interesting, uh, you know, intersection. I do therapy with with folks with memory issues. And so when I saw that, I thought that was really cool. I Maybe at some point it would be nice to do some sort of fundraiser to help out a cause. And I, I just came off of doing a two-hour open house. And I could not imagine, you know, trying to organize the uh, the activities for a 72 hour <laughs> open house that would be quite the undertaking um i don't know when the last time you did an open house was tavis but i like them i like talking to people it, it gives me a chance to sort of answer questions and sort of sharpen the knife of knowledge of knowing what people are interested in and all that sort of thing but i don't know i don't know if that's something you do regularly anymore yeah i haven't done it in a long time and i was i, I never had a tremendous amount of success with it. I, I guess over the years, I result it resulted in a few, you know, contacts and leads and and some buyers. I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I it's always been kind of a weird thing for me. I think because you know, in that position, I mean, I guess it's different if it's not your listing, right? Then it's a little bit easier to kind of play the role yeah. and support the buyer. I think it, in the ones I've done in the past, I represented the seller, so it's always kind of a an odd predicament um that you're in to play that role but 
nevertheless, I mean, open houses have, have gained activity again since uh, COVID compared to what they used to they used to get. I mean, it, lately it seems like a lot of people are taking that approach, and that may be just you know the, the way that the market's shifting in the internet yeah. based um, scenario, and again, buyers that don't have a lot of knowledge on how representation works, they feel like showing up to the open house is like showing up to a builder unrepresented and they're going to get a better deal because of it. And that of course is false, but a lot of people believe that. Right. And that's just like the majority of people that go to builders directly thinking they're going to mm. get a better deal. Um, yeah. But anyways, there's your two, two cents. cents. Well, for me, I actually have a decent amount of business that's come from our open houses, you know, working full time. Sometimes the weekends is the only time I don't have anything else going on. Uh, as far as work and you know if we're slow with the family events I, I really try to do open houses and I've I think I I think I've had about four transactions that have come directly from open houses uh, or you know this one and then I sold it later or something like that so I you know for me it's worth it and I actually like answering questions and, and learning how to uh, present a house and and learning how you know I actually enjoy from a flipper standpoint Telling people, okay, this is how you let's go look at the air conditioner. You want to know how old the air conditioner is? Okay, well, here's the 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 tag for that. You want to know how old the dishwasher is? Well, actually, there's a little label here. And you know, almost doing investigative work while I'm at the house, saying, hmm, I wonder if they've ever renovated this. I wonder if they've had foundation issues, and kind of sure. looking around. It's it's I don't know. It's it's fun for me. So anyway, I know Tavis wakes up every morning and just. He has a reminder on Google that says, what is Katy Perry up to? And so over the last few days, he's been busy reading this article that in California, um, Katy Perry might have a law named after her. And sometimes this would probably be an honor and it's something sort of as your legacy. This would not be good for her because evidently she is in a lawsuit. Um, interestingly, for the second time, she's being sued over real estate. Uh, she tried to buy a piece of real estate from a convent at one point and got into a lawsuit over that. And one of the nuns died in court, as uh, the article said, oddly. But this is actually a, a law that's going to go into place that is called the Protecting Elderly Realty for Retirement Years Act, which is the Perry Act, which is a 72-hour cool-down period for real estate transactions where one of the parties is over 75. Now, this is in California, but evidently a lot of other lawmakers are, are interested in this. And what happened was she got into a, 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 a deal with someone who they uh, had a family member or family members who later said he was not of sound mind when he agreed to this real estate transaction. And so now they're fighting Katy Perry in court. And uh, I just thought it was a really interesting actually take. I, I ran into this, I had a title company we did everything right, but they definitely said, you need to, to dot your I's and cross your T's. We had a family that was selling their house. They had done the power of attorney properly, but one of the reasons they were selling is because the mother had started having some memory problems and they were going to assisted living. So they had gone through all the lawyers and, and had power of attorney done earlier and they did it the right way. But when I was talking with the title company, they said, hey, for future reference, if this ever comes up and the families have not done their work, this can be a huge issue. And um, if, you, if you have any concern in your family that is uh, memory or Alzheimer's or any sort of um, 
medical deficit could get in the way of making good decisions, you need to think about that. You need to plan ahead because if, if you get into a real estate transaction and anyone questions whether or not you know what you're doing, it will tie it up for a long time. I don't know if you've ever had anything to do with that, Tavis, with some of your buying. And I know some of the houses you've bought, I'm sure, from older older folks. And is that something you've ever had to deal with? Uh, so, yes. I mean, similar to yours, right, where there was multiple layers and people involved and, and attorneys that... Um, you know, with the proper uh, power of attorneys associated, etc. cetera. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was reading this article and it, it brought up a couple good points. One is, um, as a seller, your rights to back out of a contract are very, very tough. Um, buyers have pretty much the full authority um, to decide if they want to pursue uh, purchasing the house or not. There's many exit clauses when it comes to the buyer's position um, to our contracts here in Texas. I can't speak to other contracts in other states, but in, in our state, uh, the buyer has a lot of authority to, to, to back out with, with minimum issue, if you will. So, you know, uh, for instance, we have option periods, uh, you have uh, title periods in which that we've got to get title back. You've got a survey contingency. You've got a finance contingency. You know, we've got HOA contingencies. You know, there, there's lots of contingencies uh, representing the, you know, on the buy side um, that makes it very difficult uh, or that makes it easy for the buyer to back out. But on the other side of that, if the seller agrees, the seller doesn't have those rights to back out. They can't decide after they agreed uh, to sell the home uh, without, you know, facing uh, bigger issues. So, you know, I, I just recently had a conversation with uh, some family of mine that are dealing with selling an estate in my family and they wanted to go into contract, but right now the probate's not done. And I'm like, you know, there's no reason to do that because the probate's not completed yet. You can't truly close on the house and give good title so there's no reason to go into contract and 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 their mindset was you know that they could just back out if they didn't want to do the deal i'm like no it doesn't work that way so don't don't you know don't tie yourself up in this deal you know we, we won't have a problem selling it when we have authority to allow it to sell but so that's one key thing to to think about and i'm sure that's what happened in this case right i, I mean the seller signed the the documents uh, you know, supposedly in the article, you know, that he was high on drugs. That was the argument that, you know, he had a surgery. He was high on painkillers. He agreed to the deal. And then a few days later, you know, regretted the deal and tried to back out. And so all of a sudden there's been this lawsuit. And uh, so I'm assuming the 72 hours is kind of like what we have, like in the car industry, right? Where you have 72 hours to... Uh, yeah to agree to the deal basically like if you if you don't like it you can return the vehicle within 72 hours or something like that so I'm assuming that's what that timeline is is that if you sign the contract you have 72 hours right of rescission to decide to to continue as a seller or not is that what you understood yeah the I guess my question would be and and I didn't see the details of this was okay typically when you sign that contract, and now you've you're starting the timeline and so if i have an option period that's say seven days so now it does do we wait three days and then the option period starts i would imagine maybe that's what they will build into it to where 
okay, we're just going to all pause for three days and then we get going. And then I have my option period and inspection period and all that sort of thing. That was the, the only, I was like, okay, I guess they just go ahead and tack that an extra three days onto the top in, in the front of the contract. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's what I understand. I don't think it's a horrible idea. You know, I, I'm not sure, you know, I know in the car industry, they don't really make any sort of exception for age. It's just, if you want to back out in three days, you back out right. in three days. And it, what I guess what would be interesting is to, to know, okay, if this goes over, well, at some point, do we think maybe it'll go down the line? And everyone has that. You have that seller's advocacy that says, all right, we're going to have a cooling off period. And if in three days you can go, you know, back out of it, who knows what it'll look like. But I, I think, you know, where, where you run into issue, right, is you run into, you know, a seller agreeing to a contract price and then, hey, I'm under contract for this and then start making phone calls to other buyers that are interested and, you know, try to try to outdo it, you know. So I think that's yeah. where I think that's why things exist that once the seller kind of inks the deal, they're locked in, you know. Um, but it does make sense, you know, if somebody's over 75 years old, yep. you know, there's mental health and things like that, that have to do with, with, with that situation. And again, uh, you know, I've dealt with plenty of, uh, purchases in the past with older, older folks that, you know, don't have a lot of options. I, I've got a, a lead now that, um, you know, it's an elderly lady and, and, you know, she doesn't have anywhere to go, you know, and she's like, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go. You know, I want to do the deal with you, but I don't know. I don't know where I go next. Right. So we've talked about it. And in fact, you know, we've had different yeah. conversations, but I mean, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, at that point in time, especially if you don't have income coming in, right. Because, uh, you're going to get the net proceeds from what you have, but based on where prices have gone to and things like that, unless you're going into some kind of assisted living or, you know, retirement type facility, you know, it's, it's tricky, you know, it's really tricky. And why would you go into some kind of mortgage, you know, at that point in time? Well, lucky for you, you know, someone who knows a little bit about senior living in the Dallas area, and I can help you find something that is actually low income or reduced uh, or assistance. There's a couple places in Plano and uh, I actually have a really, really good uh, independent living center. I like in North Plano that is reasonable and they, they offer a lot of different amenities. So I can help you out there too. Um, all right, now we are going to get into the soon to be award-winning segment, the design tip of the week. Hello friend. I know that picking paint colors, kitchen hardware, and deciding which way that your bathroom tile should be oriented can be stressful. But turn that design frown upside down. Sit down and relax and take notes as we discuss the design tip of the week. I will talk about something that Tavis brought to my attention when I was looking for paint colors for my Polk house that I was flipping uh, several months ago. And uh, super, super great tip was to look at apartment complexes and commercial buildings, but specifically apartment complexes that have been painted recently. And that color scheme, typically those, those are companies that are huge, they have designers, they've spent a lot of money planning out these, these efforts, these renovations. And these are colors that they know are going to be relevant for a while. Their time frame is, 
is way out, you know, 10 years trying to make this apartment look relatively new and, and hip or whatever for as long as possible. And so when I started paying attention to that, it actually made a lot of sense and it made my decisions for my house over in Richardson easy, easier. And uh, along those lines, Tavis also told me about an app he uses, which is the Sherwin-Williams app that allows you to find uh, complementary colors and really helps you narrow down certain um, ideas. And then lastly, the, the design tip that is super valuable is to go to Sherwin-Williams, get the sample color um, little $10 uh, bucket and go to the house and in multiple places, put that on the wall or on your cabinet or whatever you're gonna do. So you know what that paint looks like in the home. And I would do it in several different areas because lighting is always different in different areas. So Tavis, thank you very much for that tip. I don't know if I did that justice or if you have any other, uh, your two cents on the, the color tip, but it has done uh, wonders for me trying to make some decisions in the last few months. Yeah, buying the $10 sample is worth its weight in gold. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, they, you can pre-order, you know, swatches and tape it to the wall. Um, you know, you can go get the little, uh, the little tab tabs, paper tablets, you know, that give you the paint color, the swatches. Um, they never do it justice. And, and you're looking at something that's a two by two square, or even a 12 by 12 square. And it, it's just totally different when you actually get the paint itself, get a paintbrush, paint it on different parts of the home and see what it does. Uh, one of the biggest things that I know the difference of is what a paint color is on the inside of a home versus what it is on the exterior home. Of course, we've been riding this wave for the last, you know, I don't know how many years, five to 10 years of people wanting the exterior of their home painted white. And white's one of those colors that there's a whole array of white. And, um, you know, people will see a color and go, oh, like for instance, pure white by Sherwin Williams. Oh, this looks great, I'm gonna paint my house. When you paint the exterior of the home, it is like bright white, right? Like it, it, it's almost, you know, glowing. Um, and you don't have to do that on the exterior. You can actually take a tone that's about, you know, 20 light reflective value, you know, decimals different uh, as a darker tone and paint it on the exterior of the home. And because of all the natural light, it's going to it's going to look white it's going to get what you want without it being you know uh extremely uh glowing if you will so nevertheless getting those paint colors putting the samples on the walls inside and outside is is you know a no-brainer another big thing just jumping right in something you could do with no money uh and i know this just from my years of of traditional real estate of of bringing a buyer into a house and one of the number one things that you can do is leave lights on, open windows, let natural light into the home, pull your blinds up, or at least open them up, um, and leave doors open. You know, don't have doors shut. When people walk into your home and it's dark and lights are off and there's no natural light, they feel like they're in somebody else's house. And buyers immediately, within five seconds, typically make a decision if they want to pursue the house or not. Sometimes they just, you know, go along with the ride and, okay, we're here. We might as well walk through it. But most of the time they've already made the decision if it's something they want or not. Uh, and then turning on music um, is another simple thing you can do. Obviously something that's easy listening, that's something that's more, uh, 
you know, uh, attractive to everybody. You're not going to be playing gangster rap when you go in there. Um, you want something that's going to, you know, be attractive to everybody or be soothing and, um, you know, just something to kind of get somebody to relax and feel like, Hey, I'm not in a stranger's house. I'm actually in a, you know, in a model home or a home that's for sale and they're welcoming me into this house wide open. Right. We always used to say, treat it like it's your most important family member that you haven't seen in two years and they're going to come to your house. You know, how do you want to present your house, your home to them? Um, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things to think about just tips and tricks. It's, it's pretty easy and it doesn't cost you anything. Obviously, if you're going to spend money and do some paint, you know, um, we could do a whole segment on talking about, uh, design and, um, different things like that. Cause obviously that's a passion of mine grew up being an artist. So uh, I definitely get, uh, get into different design ideas and trends and, um, you know, just how to create, uh, different palettes and works of art in, in the home space itself. But anyways, uh, that's, that's some ideas I have. Yeah. Cool. We're talking about how to get your house ready to sell. And um, I have a friend that's about to list and we've had this conversation with him. Some of the things, you know, that we can talk about are are more of a design, you know, with a design eye. You know, I have a stager that I like to use and uh, Rebecca Bowler, if you're in the DFW area, for sure is a great stager and does a great job for a, a wonderful price. And she has a really reasonable fee that she'll charge just to come do a consultation and walk through the house, give you an idea of, okay, I would get rid of this. I would keep this. We can use this piece of furniture. And if you do that on the front end of trying to get ready to sell, you're probably going to pack up all this. Well, you're not probably, you're going to pack up all this stuff anyway. So you can either do it now or you can do it in a scramble right before you've got to go. So I would suggest pack up as much stuff as possible, especially if it's after the advice of a, of a professional, go ahead and pack it up, get rid of it, put it in the garage or in storage, just create that space there and try to create as much of a, a an open environment from a walk space, from a visual space that you can. You want to take the personal stuff out, all the, the really personal pictures, the really odd, real personal design choices you might have made, you might want to neutralize. But you can you can pay a professional less than a couple hundred dollars to come in and give you an hour's worth of their time to give their two cents, and it will be worth a lot if you do that. So that's where I would start there. Now, I know on the other thing that you can do is start to anticipate what's going to come up on an inspection report because they're going to do an inspection. An inspector is going to get paid money to come in and nitpick your house. So you can't fix every little bitty thing. But, um, you know, for instance, downspouts come up on every inspection report. You want your downspout to be pointed out. I think it's four feet away from the, the base. You want to have your concrete spout directors and all that. You can do some things like that. Um, you can make sure that the dirt is not too low on your foundation or too high on your foundation. That's going to come up. You know, if you have a little bit of roof issue, go ahead and get a roofer out there to, to fix some of the roof problems. Uh, Tavis, are there any other basic, not too expensive, not renovating your house type things that you would suggest someone really paying attention to, to kind of preempt some of the typical inspection, uh, issues that come up? Yeah. Slow drains. (laughs) 
um, slow drains can create, um, you know, quite, quite the concern of the inspector and the buyer because that can be a result of many different things. So if you have slow drains, get that taken care of prior to listing the home. Uh, and uh, a lot of times it's just it's just hair, right? It's just hair that's built up in the sink trap and cause it to drain mm. slow. But uh, that's an easy fix that can be done uh, uh, prior to uh, putting your house on the market. Uh, obviously, anything that's just not working right, light bulbs. I mean, simple stuff, right? Um, you know, your garage. You know, if it needs to be, the door needs to be tuned up. You know, any doors not latching, deadbolts not latching, anything that's uh, out of adjustment, you know, doors that don't shut all the way. If if the house just has had settlement and really doesn't have a lot of major issues. Um, and then we get into some of the big important things that I think um, is helpful when you're, when you're selling your home to get in front of it. If you've had foundation work in the past and you might have some settlement cracks, you might have a couple doors that are out of adjustment, especially if you've been in a drought like we've been this last summer, go ahead and spend the money on an engineer to come out and do a um, engineer report uh, prior to putting your property on the market and have that as part of your seller's disclosure packet. That'll help you get in front of all of the freebie yep. foundation inspections that uh, that take place and you know say that you need 20 peers when you don't. Um, you know, roofs right now, our big scrutiny, there's a lot of inspectors out there that uh, want to, um, you know, defer the, the roof findings to, to a professional. And then you get into a battle of the, the roofer representing the buyer and wanting to claim insurance claims, etc. If you get a roofer out there that you trust ahead of time, the roofer is going to be able to tell you if there's anything that might be worth claiming on insurance ahead of the curve or tell you that it's in good shape or maybe just getting up there with a can of spray paint and uh, sealing the the vent stacks and painting the vent stacks again just doing some minor stuff that might cost you a couple hundred dollars just to seal things up to make sure that uh, you have no water penetration yep. anywhere or any kind of issues with that that can go a long way so just doing some of those things I mean we all have deferred maintenance um, and just kind of going through some of the things that uh, get away from us over time you know, until they become a big problem. Those are things that the inspectors are looking for. Smoke detectors, right? That's an easy thing to do. Make sure your batteries are in there. You can even buy, you know, a, 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 the current code now is you're supposed to have a smoke detector in every bedroom and then the adjacent hallway directly outside the bedroom uh, doorway. You can buy battery-operated smoke detectors at Home Depot pretty cheap and install those in each room. And again, it's just going to help you, you know, on the inspections as well. So those are, those are little simple things that you can do. And, uh, you know, we get back into staging. Um, if you have a vacant home, a hundred percent, 100% do I concur to, to go ahead and hire an, a stager Definitely. and get it staged. I mean, the majority of properties right now I see on the market that are sitting are vacant homes. And if you look at them, they may not be so bad, but I mean, a vacant home just looks terrible. And there's not a lot you can do, especially if it's a lived in vacant home, you know, with different paint colors in each room, because the paint colors make no sense because there's no furniture to coordinate what they were thinking, you know? So if you stage that home, and especially if you just do the main areas, you know, your master bedroom, your family room, your, your dining area, 
and you know they add a couple little you know fake plants in the kitchen and the bathrooms man it's worth its weight in gold you know to spend you know two grand even 2500 bucks to get that home staged and as a listing agent you guys should be encouraging your clients to do this um, and you're going to do way better on the market right now if you do that because um, not only do the pictures not look the best, but when people actually walk in the home and, you know, the ACs are turned way up and the home smells stagnant and it has kind of a funky smell left over from the last people's furniture and it's just this big wide open space, you know, people don't feel at home in it. Um, so it's much easier to... Uh, even if the home's not really updated, uh, just staging it with the right furniture and um, making sure that the home is clean and, and smells good is going to go a long way. Definitely. I 100% agree on the staging. It's money well spent. So whether you're getting a con consultation because you're going to use your own furniture or maybe they can bring in a few pieces that just fit better or a little bit more updated. There's nothing wrong with that. You're going to be moving your stuff anyway. You know, the average price right now is 97% of asking. So on average, people are coming down around 3% around here. That's 12 grand. So if you could maybe preempt that, do staging, sell a little bit quicker and only come down a percent and a half, you're still going to make money. So you're going to do, you're going to move it quicker. It's going to look better in pictures, all those things by staging. So I'm a huge, huge fan of that. And you're not going to fix everything in a house. Those inspectors are going to find something. But what you can do is you can try to reduce the number of things that they're finding. Because a lot of times what happens is the sellers, they sort of package them all together. And they say, well, we want these things and, you know, give us five grand. So if you can just reduce that overall list, it's going to look better. It looks like you've prepared the house and there's just less ammunition they have to come and say, well, we want X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, again, you're not going to fix everything, but you can, you can go a long way to just make it look like you've made the effort and you've addressed a lot of the minor things. So, uh, well, super great tips, Tavis. If, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, they wanted to buy a house from you or sell a house to you for an investment. How is the best way for them to get in touch with you? You can find me on social media, I am Tavis, like Travis, with no R. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. And I'm happy to uh, to respond to you. Just uh, send me a DM, and uh, we can go from there. Well, good deal. And I am Ashton Hines. I am the Dallas Real Estate Guy on Instagram and Twitter, even though I don't do Twitter X, whatever it is. Not just yet, but I will. And we're, we're getting our, our way onto YouTube. So please come find us there. Also, with this podcast... Do everything you can to share it with friends. Uh, if you're in the Dallas area and you're in real estate business, please send this to a colleague or a friend that you know likes in, uh, the real estate business. And we're just trying to reach as many people as possible. Like the podcast. Give us a little review. It does wonders for the algorithm, and it actually makes me feel really good. And if nothing else, that's what you should do it for. So that being said, uh, that is today's episode. We will come back to you next week with our next real estate uh, heavyweights university as we take another step into flipping a house and so if that interests you please check it out i hope you have a great day talk to you soon